issues involved. It's more than just writing off a financial debt. We have to write off an emotional one. It's difficult. What I want to touch on very quickly this morning are three reasons, very simple ones, why maybe you and I find it hard to forgive people. You'll soon pick up the idea. Here's the first. Waiting for an apology. Do you know, that person in your life that has offended you, do you know, if they were to come and apologize to you, if they were to come and uh, fall down before you and say, you know, I've been thinking about it, and you were right, and I was wrong. Do you know that in that moment, if you anything like a Christian, anything like a Christian, of course you would forgive them straight away. If tomorrow morning the postman uh, puts a card through your door, and you open up the card, and inside the card... It's from someone who's offended you, and they write in it, I'm really sorry about what I said. It was wrong. Or if a a man from the florist comes, these little people, they drive these little vans and get out, and the flowers are bigger than them. You know the people. And they knock on the door, and you just see these flowers there. And inside there's a card, you know, I'm really sorry. And it's from someone who's offended you. Do you know what happened? The Spirit of God will come upon you. You'd look at the flowers or the chocolates or the card and you would forgive. Probably. But here's the problem. Apologies don't come very often, do they? That card ain't coming. <laughs> Those flowers are not a card. They're not, they're not going to arrive. That scene where That person comes to your home or even sends you an email, you know, and says, I'm so sorry. That is not going to happen. I want to tell you, if it does, God bless you, but you are pretty unusual. See, if we received an apology when we were offended, that would just help us. We would think, ah, yeah, they've understood how wrong they were. I'll forgive them, but let's face the facts. Most of the people who've offended you, and I don't know who they are, and most of the people who've offended me, they have not apologized to me. And for the most part, they don't even know they did offend me. For the most part. You'd probably agree with that. So the issue for us as True followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about fake religious people now. I'm talking about real followers of Jesus who want to be like him. The issue is, what are we going to do without the apology? Because it's not coming. May I be wrong, but I believe that for most people listening to me, that apology is not coming. Some of the people who've hurt us, people listening to me here today, they're dead. They don't, some of them don't even live now. 
You attended their funeral. Their apology is not coming now. And it was, maybe it never was. So the issue is, what are we going to do? And the answer is, we are going to forgive anyway. Because it's what God requires of us. To forgive without an apology. Here's another reason why we sometimes find it hard to, to forgive. It isn't fair. It isn't fair. I think that we struggle with forgiveness because we think, you know, if I forgive him, it's not really fair. There, there hasn't been justice. And there must be justice. Well, there isn't always justice down here on planet Earth. But there's something inside us that says, you know, if I just forgive them, they've got away with it. And they mustn't get away with it. Have this funny idea in our heads that if I stay angry with a person, somehow I'm punishing them. You're punishing yourself, actually. But this idea that if I still am mad with them, then they haven't got away with what they did. So it's not fair. I'd love to forgive, but it's not fair. But can I ask you this question? What is forgiveness then if it isn't unfair? Forgiveness is injustice. Forgiveness is injustice. Forgiveness is always to do with injustice. It's not fair that they get away with what they've done. But it's not fair that Christ suffered on the cross because of all the stuff I've done. It is unjust. For example, let's imagine, just for a moment, that at the end of the service today, I'm chatting with someone at the end. And they say to me, I'm so sorry, I just need to do this. And they grab a baseball bat from somewhere. And they bang me on the head with it. Now please, let's let's not do this. But let's imagine that someone just whacks me on the head. I really didn't like that. And they whack me on the head. And then suddenly, they get convicted by the Holy Spirit. If only that had happened a moment before. But they get convicted. They drop the bat. And they throw their arms around me and say, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did that. The devil made me. I, I don't know why I did that. Please, will you forgive me? Do you know what I would say? Of course I do. Let's go down to Brooks, Jane. I would say, I forgive you. Even if they didn't say they were sorry, I would forgive them. But let's imagine they apologize. I would forgive them, but I would go home with a bad head. 
I would take the punishment onto myself. Jesus Christ is asking us to do what he has done. He suffered for us. He took the blame for us. He paid the debt for us. And he says to us, now I want you to go do the same. I have forgiven you millions of pounds. So don't go around grabbing people and saying, you owe me a fiver. It's not fair. And it isn't. The moment you work out that forgiveness is unfair, you have understood something that you had not seen before. If you want justice, please hear now the terror of my words. God will give you justice. If you want grace, God will give you grace. But the two do not mix together. They don't mix together. So we have to forgive even though it's not fair. And when we forgive, we give someone, you see, a gift that they don't deserve. Just as in Christ, we have received from God a gift that we didn't deserve. God gave me his love and grace and I didn't deserve that. And now I need to go and give that to other people. I receive from him an undeserved gift and I must give it as well to others. Whatever they've done. The third reason why we find it hard to forgive and we need to go over to Luke 6 for this is that we just will not love our enemies. It's so interesting that Jesus should tell us to love our enemies because if Jesus tells you to love your enemies that's a surefire promise that you're going to have some isn't it? When you serve the Lord, sometimes you do get enemies. Jesus said in Luke six twenty seven, he says, I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. I wonder if anyone hates you. I wonder. I don't know. But the Bible says that if people hate you, you should do good to them. By the way, let me just throw in a little aside. The English language has not done us any favors here because in the English language, we've made hate to be a very severe word and other words like don't get on with, dislike, you know, all that kind of thing. They've become lesser words but we're talking about uh, here the word hate. It simply means to dislike. And we've created hate as some special category for the really insane people. They hate people. But the rest of us, we just dislike people. And we're nicer than them. That's not a, that's not a biblical idea. 
He says, I want you to do good to those who hate you. Do good to them. Uh, not, just, not just forgive them. No, no. Do good to them. Do you know the best thing you can do to that irritating woman in the office is take her out for a meal? And by the way, if you work with anyone in this room and they take you out for a meal tomorrow, I think you ought to be a bit um, suspicious about that. <laughs> You're supposed to do good to people who don't like you. Not just put up with them. <laughs> You're supposed to do good to them. Why would you do that? Because it's the word of God. And because it sets you free, you see. You say, well, I'm not doing that. Well, then you're not a Christian then. But if you're going to follow Jesus, this is what you're going to do. By the way, if anyone takes me out for a meal this week, I'll be a bit suspicious about that. Verse 28, bless those who curse you. It's a similar idea. And here we have, pray for those who ill-treat you. I think the King James Version said, spitefully use you. Pray for people who spitefully use you. Do you know, I don't think the Bible here means pray against them. (laughs) Uh, Pray that they'll see the error of their ways. Well, maybe that's sometimes a good idea. But in the context, it means to pray blessing on them. I've been hurt and abused and I've been battered around, but I'm going to pray the blessing of God on those people and I'm going to do good to them. And doing good to them has probably got something to do with your money. You see, now we we don't like this stuff. Why do you think you need to be full of the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues? You need to be full of the Holy Ghost to do some of these things. A man full of the Spirit, a woman full of the Spirit can do these things. Thank God for all the other things. But this is why we need God in in us. Can you say amen? This is why we need God in us. To do this. I think there's some issues that we can touch on. When you forgive someone, it means that you no longer are angry with them or holding a grudge against them. However, I think we can learn in life about people. This is best illustrated by a lady who always used to sit in the front row of the church. An elderly lady. And uh, they got a new pastor in that church. And instead of preaching nice and properly, you know, from behind the pulpit, he used to march around the front like these modern pastors do. And he was boldly going up and down like this, the front. And he was a big guy. And this little old lady, she'd always sat on the front row because it helped her to hear. And as he was pacing up and down, he made some real big point about, we've got to kick the devil out of here. And you know the story. Bang! He kicked her in the foot. She, ah! You know, this great cry went up. Preacher was a bit embarrassed, you know, and he said, I just went, I'm really, oh, I'm so sorry, but heal her, Lord, you know. And uh, he was all sorry about it. And do you know what? That lady forgave him. 
but in the evening service. Where was she sat? Yeah, that's right. Her time at the front row was over. Had she forgiven him? Yes. Had she learned from her mistake? Yes. There are some people in this world, I don't trust them. And that's okay. There are some people in this world, I don't let them into my heart anymore. Maybe I did, but I don't now. I learn. But that's not a grudge. That's not a manifestation of anger. That's not a manifestation of, of wanting destruction on them or for them to learn their lesson. No. No, that's, that's, that's wisdom. The Bible says that we should choose our friends very carefully. Most of the problems that Christians get into are because they choose the wrong mates to hang around with. You may not believe that, but that's the truth. That's one of the main problems. The people hang around with the wrong mates. Bad company corrupts good character. The Bible says he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So with some people, I'm on the back row. I'm not on the front row with them. I'm on the back row with them. But that's not unforgiveness. So we can learn, you see. We're, we're allowed to learn. We're allowed to choose our people in our life very carefully. And I do, and I urge you to do the same. So we can learn. The three reasons why we find it hard to forgive. We're waiting for an apology that is just not coming. So we best forgive. In fact, most of the people who've offended me, they don't know they offended me. Can I say that again? Most of the people who offended me, they don't know they offended me. So they're not going to apologize for it because they don't know they even did it. And that's the same for you. It means that you and I, we've offended people and we don't know it. Sometimes anyway. So we're not going to apologize because we don't even know that we're offended. So we're waiting for an apology that's not coming. We've got to forgive. It doesn't seem fair. Bingo, you got it. It isn't fair. So we're going to forgive anyway. And the third reason is because we're not very good at all this being good to unpleasant people stuff. But God does it all the time and calls us to do the same. Let me finish with... Uh, just a few thoughts about what unforgiveness does to us. I'll just bring them all up in one lump here. Uh, it torments us. The man who didn't forgive, at the end of Matthew 18, he says he was taken away by the jailers and he was tortured. That's what I, that's what I tried to allude to earlier. It is amazing that we think that by going to bed and being angry with someone is hurting them and the only person who's losing sleep is you, I th when I go to bed and I'm mad with someone, you know, do you know what the person I'm mad with is doing? They are asleep. They're in a restaurant having a good time. There's some other place dancing to Abba, I don't know, but they're not upset. If you don't forgive, it just tortures you, it doesn't torture them. 
It just tortures you. So if you don't want any other reason other than to do this stuff, do it to set yourself free. God knows how we're made. He is the creator. He has the manual on us, and he knows what will make us work well and what will not. Number two here, that it hinders our prayers. Jesus said that in, the, in Mark 11. He's speaking about prayer and how you need to, you know, if you believe in your heart and you can receive and speak to the mountain and command it into the sea, all that stuff. And he finishes that by saying, if you don't forgive people, your father will not forgive you. So perhaps we should say, not, it doesn't hinder prayer, but it hinders answer to prayer. It hinders answer to prayer. You come and pray about things. You can come and fast about things. But if you're all angry inside, I tell you, God can't really hear you. So you must forgive people. Number three, it spoils the offering you give. Jesus said, if you come and bring your offering, but they're bringing your offering you remember that someone has a problem with you, go and be reconciled to them and then come and bring your offering. Is that right? Is that what Jesus said? So this unforgiveness stuff, it mixes itself into all sorts of areas of our, of our lives. Number four here, because it blocks God's forgiveness towards us. Do you know the Lord's Prayer? The disciples' prayer, I learned it as a school kid. Do you know, I, I, perhaps I overstate the point, but listen to me. Do you know, I'm not sure that anywhere in this Bible, anyone asks God to forgive them, other than in the New Testament saying, Lord, forgive me my trespasses as I also Forgive the trespasses of others. It's that awful word, as, that gets in there. Lord, please forgive me as I forgive others. Lord, please forgive me as I forgive others. Not, Lord, please forgive me, but, Lord, forgive me as I forgive everyone who has sinned against me. Perhaps we should make a real good habit or a discipline that every time we ask God to forgive us, we pray it like the Bible says we should. Lord, forgive. Every time you blow it with God and you get on your knees or you get in your, by your bed or you sit in your chair and you say, Lord, please forgive me. Perhaps we should add to it, Lord, please forgive me as I now actively forgive everyone who has sinned against me. Boy, what a change that might make in our lives. Let me finish with a, a thought. How do you know that you've really forgiven someone? How do you know? Do you feel better or what is it? Someone once said that the way to know you've really forgiven someone is when you see them, it no longer creates pain in you. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know about that. Maybe. 
But there's one sure way of knowing that you are actively forgiving someone. One sure way to know. And it comes, and this is a little piece from R.T. Kendall's work on forgiveness. I'll give him due credit for this. But it comes from the story of Joseph. How Joseph was going to reveal himself to his brothers. You remember? He was in Egypt. They were all stood in front of him. And now he was going to reveal who he was to them. The Bible says that just before he was going to reveal himself to them, just before, he made all the Egyptians go out the room. Something that was going to happen, it was going to be a secret. It's going to be a secret between them. Only Joseph would know that these men in front of him were, were really villains. It was going to be a secret. And one of the ways, maybe there are many, many ways, but let me leave you with this one. One of the ways to know that you are actively forgiving, because it's not an emotion, it's something you have to do. One of the ways you know that you are forgiving someone is you stop talking about it. Don't come and say to me, uh, this, this, and this, and this happened. And then you go and tell someone else, this, this, and this happened, but, I've, but I've, I've forgiven them. No, the very fact that you are going around talking about it is a sign that your forgiveness is not quite intact. Now, let me just say, of course, there are instances where you can sit with a pastor or with a leader, you're talking about your life. I'm not suggesting that that is in any way to mean that you have not forgiven, because sometimes we talk about our lives. But I'm talking about that more gossip-orientated stuff of telling everyone what went on and what's happened and all this. I tell you, there is no forgiveness happening there. When we forgive, we keep a secret of the, of the matter. I found that to be a very helpful guide to help me. Now, drawing to a finish with this, I wonder if, as I've been talking here today, And those who listen to me via technology, I wonder if, while I've been talking, you're sitting here listening, and names and faces have been flashing through your head. I'm not suggesting that your whole life has passed before you. But whenever I talk on this subject, something starts to happen in the room. That is that different people at different times in the message, they go into their own world. Now that's normal for preachers anyway. But this is a little different. As you start to have a movie camera playing in your head of people who've hurt you. And I want to suggest to you today that that may be a sign to you, either from God or just from your conscience, that you need to do some business with God and forgive the people who are playing their movie in your head or who are in the movie in your head. It may not be the Holy Spirit bringing it to the surface, but it may be. But it may just be that that's whenever we say hurt, pain, forgiveness, 
immediately there are some candidates. They're locked inside your heart. Maybe they don't even live anywhere near us. Maybe they are, maybe they are dead. Or maybe they are going to be with you on Monday. <laughs> they come to the service. People say this, you know, they say, I'd love to forgive. The problem is, I've forgiven them so many times and they just do it again and again and again and again. Why do you think Jesus told you to forgive the people 70 times, 7 times? What was he doing? Having a joke? Making up a story? That's exactly what we have to do, you see. Sometimes people come and forgive, but they know they're going to be hurt again. Well, we need to forgive again. Or other people come and they want to forgive, but they know they'll come and they'll cry here and they'll go home and they're still mad, you know. That's why we have to forgive again and again and again and again until it is done. It's so much, friends, so much of it is an act of the will. If I took you to the Greek text of Matthew 18 that we read, with the bit that it says the man refused to forgive, it literally says he willed not to do it. Maybe today you will will to do it. Let's all bow our heads.